0: Welcome to Postcast. The Utah Jazz defeat the Boston Celtics by the final score of 117 to 109. That's more like it. Hustle plays off the bench. Balance scoring all the way around. Three-point shooting barrages. All of those things like we'd expect them and want them from the Jazz, and we're talking about it. Coming up on Postcast. This is Postcast. We are live at On Live on Twitch as well as Facebook and YouTube. Also, I believe, on Periscope at DLock09. The Utah Jazz tonight pull off the win over the Boston Celtics. Just the third time all year the Jazz win a game when trailing going into the fourth quarter. They came in at 2-9 and nine in those settings. They were down going to the fourth. They scored 40 fourth-quarter points. Donovan Mitchell with a massive dagger three. After having a bunch of really tough possessions, Mike Conley comes off the bench in the final six minutes and settles everything down for the Jazz. But from a big picture standpoint, this was how the Jazz have to win basketball games. They end up with six guys in double figures, different periods of time for different guys making plays. Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, early Boyan Bogdanovich, early in the third quarter, the bunch of plays. Rudy's defense was marvelous at different portion periods of the game, as dominant as we've seen him for six, seven possession stretches like he often will do. And then the final piece of that puzzle is the Jazz got fifty percent of their shots as threes again tonight. They took night hit 19 of 43 from three tonight uh on eighty shot attempts, 44%. They also go to the line 24 times in contrast to the four free throws by the Celtics in this game. So that absolutely uh had a huge impact on the game. Rudy's defense late was mammoth also. For Jason Tatum took a shot at the four ten mark and then they tried to turn the ball game over to Jason Tatum, and on numerous occasions he drove to the basket, passed out, and you end up with Marcus Smart and other guys who you want to have taking shots late in games, taking shots for the Celtics instead of the players the Celtics wanted to take shots. So really a very, very good win for the Jazz, reminiscent of the team we saw earlier this year, not as reminiscent of the team we've seen in four of the last six games. Defensively, they weren't great tonight, but Boston does a lot of things that probably cause you some problems. The key this whole game is trying to keep Boston in the half-court. They're not a good half court offensive team. They're a very good transition team. That number early in the game, 30% of their possessions in transition as we were turning it over. We got it down to 20%. Then we got it down to sixteen percent. But then by the end of the night, Boston was back in transition for about twenty percent of their possessions, which is really pretty high. So that the Jazz didn't That the Jazz made it a little more difficult on themselves in that sense is that they, Boston still was able to get out and play in the open court. But when the Jazz, got the ball game into that half-court set. That's what they're great at. That was the Celtics' 17th-ranked offense against the Jazz' second-ranked half-court defense. That's not going to be a good script for the Celtics, and it showed tonight uh, for the Jazz. So that's my take on this one. We'll open up the questions for you in the chat room. This is a good win. Last year in Boston, right before the pandemic, it was probably our best win of the year. This might be our most important win of the year. You know, it just changes all of the kind of – talk around the team. If you can go into Washington, get a win. You can go to Toronto, get a win. If you go to Chicago, get one or two more on this trip. We don't have to go back to winning 22 of 24, but if we can get back to winning three out of five, things like that, then we're going to be in pretty good shape. That's what we have to do. Um, but that was the uh, that was the key. Bunch of, bunch of really good plays in this one as well, which makes it fun to kind of talk about. Uh, one that I think everyone will talk about, Rudy, with a massive block and then ball movement all the way around. Um, as well. I thought Mike Conley was brilliant. I haven't looked at the plus-minus numbers tonight, but I really thought he settled us um, a great deal. Um, plus-minus tonight, Rudy Gobert, plus 14 in an 8-point victory. Wow, he is, he is really something else. All right, let's get to it. Uh, can you walk us through the rotation changes tonight? Were there rotation changes tonight? I didn't notice any. Did we change? Did we avoid? Did they make them? I'd have to look. We did not play in the first quarter. In the first half, we played the Donovan-Jordan-Royce combination that really has been awful this year, and it was awful for four possessions, and we got out of it, and I don't think we played it in the second half. So that would be the subtle rotation change, but I would have to go back and look at it. Nathan, you might know more than I do. Frankly, sometimes calling a game, it's hard um, on that. These types of wins will benefit us more than blowouts, says Jason. Yes, good good team wins on the road, but I can't tell how good Boston is. In all in all fairness, um, there's three good teams in the East: Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn. I just don't think Boston's in that grouping. Um, there's five good teams in the West, um, and there's three good teams in the East. There's probably eight teams that legitimately have a chance to win a title right now, and that's a and that's a lot. That's great. It's super for the NBA. We've never had eight teams with a legitimate chance to win the title. um and I, and I bet you if you go look at the odds, they're like fifteen percent, fourteen percent, thirteen percent, twelve percent, ten percent for all these teams. Like Denver's the only one with like out odds that are you know, if you're going to bet bet online and you bet, I, I think that you'll see that uh, Denver's the only one with kind of a thousand bo- you know hundred to one odd type things um and they probably shouldn't be they're pretty they're pretty good. If we cut back on turnovers, we cut back on transition points. We start rolling again. Yeah, I mean, the tra- the turnover thing was bad early. Um, we ended up with four live ball tournaments in the first four turn four live ball turnovers in the first quarter. We had thirteen turnovers in the first half, and we had four turnovers in the second half. And Boston ended up for the night with only eight steals. So I think they probably only had two steals in the second half. You know, eight live ball turnovers is actually not that bad a number. By the time that night's done, like eight's high. You'd rather be at five or six, but it's not ten. Like ten's like, uh, uh You said they have ten live ball turnovers. You're suddenly getting them and probably 10% of the possessions going the other way uh, with an advantage. Do you need to walk by this way or are you just listening to me babble? You're just listening to me babble. It makes me uncomfortable when Ron listens to me do this, but somehow it's fine when we do a broadcast together. How does that work? Uh, Matt Devine says, I thought Rudy had an absolutely monster second half. I I thought, you know, if some people don't get Rudy and don't understand it or choose not to understand Rudy, they're just a big idiot. Like, there's no other way to say it. Like, the guy's amazing. His defense was game-changing tonight in a way when – Effective blocking shots, but also, uh, when I mean, go watch the final five minutes. Tatum drives and just dishes out the whole time. Like, he doesn't even want a part of it. And then there's the play. Tatum tried it twice. Jalen tried it once. Everyone tries it once a night. Go one-on-one on Rudy, see how it works. Doesn't work. Tatum Tatum got Rudy with, like, 35 seconds left in the game on a hard drive. Finally. Uh, great game. Faze played with fire. Rudy was amazing. Derek Favors play. In the first half, first quarter, we're down 18 to 10. We get a steal. Jalen Brown makes a great, amazing block. And then De- uh, Derek hustles the floor, gets the rebound, kicks out to Ingalls. Ingalls buries the three. To me, that was one of the plays of the game massive plays of the game. The fact that the Jazz hit that. The other one was that Quinn went to Boyan Bogdanovich three times to open up the second half. Um, and make those plays late and get him some confidence and feeling good about things. Winning close games builds mental toughness for the playoffs. Every game will be a knife fight. Allen, with a the comment there, you know, winning close games from ahead is easy. The key is we went into the final five minutes up six, right? That's really what it matters. Andy, I think when Donovan walks the ball up, it allows a great defender like Smart to get ready on D. Should he be pushing it up the basket after a basket in this case? Yes. Yes. In fact, we go back to the win against Boston. The key play is Donovan throwing it ahead to Boyan for the three. Like, Donovan's got to push it forward. And Ron pointed out the broadcast, he's got to stop backing up into the corner where the defender now can use the sideline and the half court on him. That was – Donovan's – we forget that Donovan's still in his fourth year, is really his second year as a primary ball handler. Thank gosh for Mike Conley tonight because Mike Conley came in the game freed Donovan for the ball just enough to, I think, get him settled, and then Donovan hit that just, mammoth a three out the bounce. That was just a sick shot. like That, to be quite honestly, to be as bad as Donovan had been the three or four possessions before and then hit that shot, that is what wakes world-class athletes, just different than everybody else. Why do you think Donovan over-dribbles sometimes rather than passes and moves the ball? Seems like he dribbles too much and he turns it over. You know what the easy answer on this one, Mark, is to defend Donovan for a second? He's six feet tall. Six-one. I think a lot of times he over dribbles because he's in that paint inside the trees trying to find the window. And if it's not like a bounce pass underneath someone to Rudy or to Derek, he doesn't have a passing window because he's six feet. Like if you think about the other guys, Luca and LeBron and and Ben Simmons and those guys, they're all six eight six nine. They can get, they can make those passes in a in a really different way than Donovan's able to. It's why Mike Conley learned the floater, right? And Donovan doesn't have that shot. That's not a good shot for Donovan. Mike was awesome when he came in on the fourth team. We're, we better re-sign him. Oh, we're into the offseason already. And when do you think Robert Williams' ceiling is? I think he could be a brilliant modern big. Really? Hmm. Didn't see any aspect of Robert Williams in this game that said modern big to me. Like Mitchell Robinson, poor man's Rudy maybe, but I didn't see modern big. Interesting. I'll have to watch them more. Final question. Do the Jazz really need to add another player via tread deadline? I think we should not. Well, we don't have anything to trade. We literally don't have anything to trade unless we're like going to absolutely redo the roster like a major piece of the puzzle. In limited time, without practice, that seems like it's an unlikely scenario um, to get done. So we don't even have a trade piece. If there's a buyout market. I mean, as the luxury tax, like, I think we might've made the move with Urson Ilyasova, but if we could get a breaking case of emergency defensive wing who probably can't shoot a lick, that would be great. Um, but we don't have like, unless you're trading Boyan, there's, there's nobody that you're moving at the trade deadline that has any, or Joe Ingles or Royce O'Neal. Like those are the only players that have salary. And if you're, unless you're moving one of those, I, which I don't think seems like a very likely or good scenario. Jazz win at 1